Welcome back, everybody. It's Saturday. Saturday. It's fight day. Wait, what's going on? Oh, uh, welcome back, everybody. Just the Saturday special. That's what we'll call it. Uh, a little special holiday delay to our episode. Um, obviously, we hope everybody had a happy Thanksgiving or relative uh, ate good food at least. Um, I know I did, and I'm sure Dom did as well. I was in a food coma for at least one hour after the final plate was put in the sink. I fell asleep at 9 p.m. yesterday, if that tells you <laughs> anything. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it, was a, it was a challenge, but we overcome it, correct? Yes, because here we are. In the remote studio. Yeah. So, obviously, normally our uh, Friday previews are recorded on Thursdays and put out Friday morning. Um, With Thanksgiving being on Thursday, we just pushed it back a day. So, that's why you'll be hearing this on Saturday morning, hopefully. But I think it's a good thing we did that, Dom, because uh, we had a fight cancellation today. And not only a fight cancellation... Our main event, scrapped. Yes, the main event to UFC Vegas 15 has officially been scrapped due to a positive COVID-19 test from Mr. Curtis Blades. Yep, so Curtis Blades versus Derek Lewis is off. Very disappointing to hear that news. But, of course, whenever the UFC's in doubt for a fight night headliner, they go back to the well known as Anthony Smith once again. Anthony Smith originally co-maining this card. He's now been bumped to the main event for his, I think I read today was his seventh straight headliner. Yes, all Anthony Smith does is headline UFC fight nights and a pay-per-view with John Jones. And occasionally he gets dominated by John Jones on pay-per-views. Yes, right. But he is headlining against a guy who has not even been close to a main event slot, but he gets his biggest opportunity here, Mr. Devin Clark. A younger up-and-comer, a guy looking to make a name for himself, and what bigger name, really, if you want to go off the fact the guy's been headlining fight nights all the time, Anthony Smith. Uh, So I think uh, people are going to be low on this card due to the fact that the main event might not be as intriguing or as big of names as the big heavyweight matchup we were promised or some of these other headliners that we've had recently, but um, I think what you guys are going to see is that there are some gems on this card, potentially. There are some diamonds uh, in the rough. And ultimately, the names don't matter. It's all about having good fights, correct? Exactly. Yeah, but before we get into that, you know what time it is. It's time for the news. The news. Y'all didn't really think just because we postponed one day we wouldn't have a news segment right i mean i hope yeah. not yeah y'all must have forgot <laughs> but there's not a ton this yeah week. it's a small one <laughs> last Compared week was very news week. heavy though man yeah last week was was wild when it came to the news i mean it hit it got i mean friday's episode last week was huge on the news and then monday was even bigger yeah i mean you'd never see that the monday episodes are usually always the ones with the less news but yep. Um, we get a couple fight announcements here. We start UFC 257 in January, headlined by the big matchup at lightweight between Conor McGregor and Dustin Poirier. 
we get a fight that I would like to assume would be somewhere on that main card, Hakeem Dewadu and Shane Burgos. Dom, what do you think of this matchup? Um, I know Shane is in the top 15. Is Hakeem? Hakeem is all right on the cusp, but not ranked. So he would crack the rankings here with a big win over Shane Burgos. Um, stylistically, this is really fun. I mean, Shane Burgos is ranked 12th right now. He's 13-2. and two. You know, only 29 years old. Hakeem's very young. Uh, a lot of talent. He was just in a very interesting fight, to say the least. What was that, at uh, 253, if I'm not mistaken? Yes, I believe it opened 253. Yeah, yeah. So he won that fight, and what started out as an incredible fight ended up being weird in the latter half of the second round and throughout the third round. Hakeem was, like, wanting to fight, but his opponent, who I'm completely blanking on, and that's why I'm not trying to mention a name, um, was not pressing forward, and it was just very awkward, and Hakeem was, like, literally frustrated, like, yelling. They were yelling at each other in the octagon, and it was just an all-out, just weird thing that happened. But Hakeem his opponent opponent missed weight, too. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Um, But, I mean, overall, Hakeem is a has shown a lot of promise, a lot of talent, uh, fighting out of Canada. So this is a very exciting matchup, and I would like to think, like you said, it could be maybe the main card opener, depending on how stacked they want to make that card around uh, Connor. Uh, the, his opponent's name was Zubera Takugo, by yep. the way. Okay. Yeah, so uh, Zubera missed weight, and then the fight was kind of weird because it started off great, but then Zubera kind of took his foot off the gas. And he looked like he was comfortable to just sit there and kind of uh, stay at range and basically just outpoint Hakeem. And Hakeem wanted to scrap a little bit more. Yeah, that fight so, showed it does take two to tango. Yeah, so it was, uh, it was a weird one. But, you know, Hakeem did get the win. And he gets his biggest matchup here against Shane Burgos, who, uh, let's not forget, his last fight, he was in a losing effort, but it was the fight of the night against Josh Emmett. Low-key, I understand where to hear where you have a fight like Whaley and Joanna, which is kind of the obvious fight of the year, but that's a fight that could easily be up there for fight of the year. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the fight Josh Emmett won, but he like tore his ACL or yeah, something the first like round. that. So uh, it was a great fight. Shane looked great at times in there, so uh, he's definitely probably top 10 talent-wise. At least he's he's very much capable to be top 10 talent. I mean, when you go round for round with Josh Emmett, who's in the top 10, that shows kind of where he's at. Yeah, and before that, he KO'd Maquan Armikani. Before that, beat your boy Cub Swanson. I mean, he's been in there with some talented guys. And again, having a record of 13-2, and two, uh, he's no slouch here. No, and it should be a really fun matchup. I mean, both these guys know how to bring it. And I think that's going to speak very well to, you know, once you actually watch the fight, I think neither of these guys are going to want to back down or give an inch to the other. I don't think uh, Hakeem's going to have to sit there and yell at Shane to throw. (laughs) Yeah. I don't think you'll be seeing any of that. But I I like the fight for UFC 257. I'm glad that they're – you know, looking to beef up that card. I, I thought Cal or I thought the the card two forty six, uh, Connor and Cowboy. I thought that was a little weak. If you went off the main card, yeah, they so kind of just this, carried that whole pay per view with Connor's name. 
Yeah, so you have this fight potentially on the main card, and then you even have uh, rumored the that we'll be seeing Michael Chandler potentially debut on, in the co-main. We've got, um, uh, I think, Amanda Rebos, Michelle Waterson on that card. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there's going to be some good ones. Hopefully, so it's definitely anyway. promising. Um, even though we both like UFC 255 and 256, looks like it's about to be really fun. Um, it'll probably be a bounce back as far as for the casual fan to become a little bit more interested in and whatnot. So uh, I'm glad that they're doing that and not just selling it on the fact that Connor's back. Right. I also saw even, real quick, sorry, more on the January card. So the the main event here that was scratched, which was Blades and Lewis, original report said they're just going to try and rebook it for December. Then I also saw another report from Ariel Helwani that said they might even look into January. So imagine if they were even to slide that one on that main card there. That could be really fun too, so... It could be. It's like, there's no way they can put it on December 19th, right? Yeah, buddy. That one's as full as they come. I mean, imagine, like, look at the other fight night we have before Connor. We've got Cater and Holloway. Like, imagine if this one co-mained that. Like, either way, January, if it gets booked in January, is looking solid right now. Yeah, so very fun stuff there. We move on to our second and last fight announcement today. A big one for Bantamweight. Our boy, Jimmy Rivera. And Pedro Munoz matched up for January 30th fight night. Dom, this is a top 10 here, big time for these two guys. Both guys who have really seen better days in the UFC, but they're they're not out of it by any means. Uh, It seems like stock's a little low on both these guys, but... I don't see why. I still believe in Jimmy Rivera. That's a guy I, you know, maybe I gave him a little too high of expectation. One of my, I guess, more infamous hot takes that I said to Dom way back in the day was that I thought Jimmy Rivera would be the future Bantamweight champion. And I still think he can compete for a belt. And I think Pedro Munoz is no slouch either. You know, uh, I thought he won his last fight against Frankie Edgar. Yep. But it was close. And, you know, he did, you know, it was close enough to where he could give it to Frankie. So that's what happened. Unfortunately, that kind of leaves him stuck right now. But both these guys have a chance to really bounce back here because, correct me if I'm wrong, but Jimmy Rivera lost his last fight, didn't he? Well, he actually won his last one, but before that was on a skid. He, he beat so, Cody Stamen in August. That's right. That's right. He but did. before that, he lost to Peter Yan. Before that, he lost to Sterling. Um, and then he also even has a loss to Marlon Marais. I don't know if that was three consecutive, but that's another loss that he had as well. We're talking about a guy in Jimmy Rivera that was at one point like 22-1 and one, or like 21-1, and one, and now he's 23-4. and four. So on a yeah. little bit of a skid, but still a lot of talent, very technical uh, guy in Jimmy Rivera. And for Munoz... You know, knocked out Cody in round one. Then he goes to a decision with Sterling, who is the next title challenger. Then he gets, like you said, the split with Frankie, which we both thought he won. And that was a main event that he had with Frankie. So, Pedro, uh, I really like him. I think he's a very exciting fighter. Um, this is a good fight. This is a rematch in the, I don't know how many years in the making, uh, but they fought a few years back, assuming. Jimmy would have gotten the dub in that first one, basing off of my numbers here with his losses. Right. So uh, this could be interesting. 
Pedro's number six, Jimmy's number eight. It's very important uh, for both these guys and where they are in their career. Yeah, Jimmy's going to bring that really grapple-heavy style, and it'll be interesting to see how Pedro kind of combats that because, correct me if I'm wrong, but at least in the past couple years, you really haven't seen Pedro be tested on the ground near as much. I mean, you know, he really had a star-making performance against Cody Garbrandt, but that was one where they just stood and traded for that whole first round, hurting each other multiple times, but then Pedro's power being able to overcome Cody's and really since then i haven't seen a whole lot of testing him on the ground maybe aljamain but that that would be the most of that um but jimmy has a completely different grapple style he's much more he's a bigger guy for that division so i think that it'll be interesting to see how pedro is able to kind of uh counteract that because jimmy's no (laughs) jimmy's gonna bring that that like uh what's what do i always say it's like a He's a grinder. Yes. Yeah. He really grinds for those takedowns and he'll sit there and try to squash you and to smother you basically for three rounds. And if it's on the feet, he tends to be more of a point fighter, which to a lot of people that, you know, not big fans of that. Not that we're like huge fans of it either, but there's that technique to it that you really have to admire. Uh, so mm-hmm. Jimmy is known for being that point file point style fighter if it's on the feet. But Pedro's not going to let him just sit and pick his shots. Pedro's going to come at him if it's on the feet. So it's a very interesting fight. Yeah, I completely agreed. And that's going to be on January 30th, the week after 257. So January is stacking up to be a fun one, I would say, if Mm -hmm. that holds true. Now, as for the rest of the news, we start with uh, one that I think this is going to be the last time outside of if he signs anywhere else that we're probably going to talk about this fighter because it just makes me sad. And I know if it makes me sad, it's going to make Dom sad. I'm crying. We're, we're talking about Anderson Silva, potentially, uh, not even potentially, one of the best fighters of all time. Um, as to update from when we last talked about him, last time it was uh, he had been cut or, I guess, released really? yeah. from his UFC contract. Um, we might even mention that Bellator had said they didn't want him. Um since then other major promotions have came out and said basically they didn't want him i don't know why all these promotions feel the need to say that like jesus dude just like just let him be just let him be yeah so i mean um what was it one championship came out and said no um maybe the pfl pfl was the other one uh bellator of course nothing from bare knuckle but my god that would just be (laughs) awful so i really hope they're not even mentioned yeah. But, as you were going for. Mm-hmm. We have one of the bigger promotions that is came out and said that they're interested, and that is Ryzen out of Japan. And I can't say I'm surprised, considering where this uh, promotion is based out of. They have mm-hmm. a lot of remnants of Pride FC. Uh, they kind of, in a lot of ways, they carry the spirit of Pride, and Pride was known for putting on their freak show fights and putting on fights that would just it would garner a lot of interest but it would also just be like wild stuff like you know you had a bob sap fighting there against 150 pound guys and he was weighing nearly 400 pounds like just wild stuff that they would do sometimes and not that anderson silva is anything like that but he is 45 he's a big name but you just you, and you know when you go to rise it's a step down in competition but right 
also like i don't know do we do we really need to do this like no we don't at all <sighs> we don't need this yeah. anderson i know you still love to fight i know you still like you feel have still have that fire burning in you but it is it's not necessary there's nothing left to prove i I get that if you're still passionate, then you should go for it, and I'm all about that mindset and anything you want to do in life. But it's just... Uh, you'd hate to see him go out there for another fight, and then what if he gets seriously injured? You know? that would. I guess that's just the part that would just be awful. So, yeah, I'm just... I wish you would just completely hang him up, man. Yeah, I mean, we definitely are looking at it from somewhat of a self... I mean, it's like selfish point of view, but not... Like, selfishly, we want to be able to just remember him for his peak, like, where he was at his best. And we feel like these kind of decisions to keep going only look to hurt his legacy. But then we also, you know, you we legitimately care about Anderson Silva due to the enjoyment he gave us for years. And you just want to see him be okay. Mm-hmm. And when he's at his age, he has, you know, he's he's definitely not the fighter he was not even close and his chin has become more susceptible and you know you just and he's had some very serious in the octagon injuries you know the leg and whatnot so it's we we try to have his best interest but also like at the end of the day he is going to do what he wants to do and i don't fault him for that right it's just he's also spoken very openly over the years even back to before he lost his title you know, he was talking about retiring. I don't know if you quite... I, I know this was before we were really mm-hmm. digging in the news all the time, but um, he... At, I remember uh, before he faced Weidman, he had talked about how his family wanted him to retire. And he felt like he had nothing more to prove and all that, so I don't well, know what changed. And we're talking about a guy, too. I mean, I don't think a lot of people realize this, but Anderson didn't even have his first fight in the UFC till he was already 31. Yeah. Um, not that that's old, but we're talking like, you know, he had a seven-year title reign, so he was already 38 years old when he was still dominating people. And that's, a, that's the age where a lot of people retire, you know? So, right. I mean, it's just, I don't know. It's just weird. I know he wants to keep going, just, you know. Do whatever you want to do at the end of the day. It's not like we can stop him, but the selfish part and the part that is just looking out for his health in general and his future says to stop. Yeah, I mean, you really can't put it any better than that. Obviously, if if he does officially sign with Ryzen or anyone else, I'm sure we'll, we'll make note of it here. But besides that, I remember we were excited. It was like the we felt like it was the one time we were going to get to talk about Anderson Silva on our podcast when he faced Uriah Hall, and that was it was like we talk about him all the time. And it just gets worse and worse. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so hopefully this is the last time, really, besides a potential announcement of where he signs. But um, hope to hope he's doing all right, though. I'll just say that. Yep. And uh, well, if we thought. <laughs> We thought Anderson Silva shouldn't be fighting. Well, here's an interesting one. So uh, we're going to have our first bit of boxing news here. Oh, boy. Not our forte, per se. <laughs> I am someone, um, just to give a little more detail into kind of our thoughts on boxing, I am someone who's very interested in the history of boxing. I've, I've definitely t- taken more time than 
um, I guess I should say that boxing probably grabbed my interest before MMA did. I remember I would do like school projects on Floyd Mayweather, Muhammad Ali back in middle school, things like that. But obviously, again, I didn't have the money or a credit card or whatever to buy pay-per-views and whatnot. So it's not like I was ever doing that. Um, so I'm always interested in the history of boxing, but I can't say I'm quite as interested in the current state of boxing. Yeah, Dom, I don't know uh, if you if you want to give your thoughts. Yeah, I mean, I like to consider myself a history buff on all things, even outside of sports. Um, so the history of boxing is very uh, interesting and intriguing. I have not quite dived into it like you have, but uh, I just don't get very interested in boxing these days. Um, I did watch the fight about a month ago, and I'm already blanking on who their names were, but it was the big fight that happened uh, not too long ago. But yeah, I mean, boxing to me is just, I respect it for its history, but its place now in combat sports, I think, has just been surpassed by mixed martial arts, and I guess my heart just leans more toward mixed martial arts. Um, so yeah, I don't get very hands-on with it. Yeah, I I think the biggest reason is as MMA fans, we've been pretty spoiled. Yeah. We tend to always get the fights we want in the end. Sure, are there fights that we kind of roll our eyes at or go, why is that happening? Yes, but for the most part, you know, when you have a fight like uh, Daniel Cormier and Stipe for the third time, mm -hmm. if it was boxing, then the fight wouldn't happen for five more years and DC would already be way past his prime. And, you know, it's... it. My point is, is that the politics of boxing, I feel like, have quite compromised the sport, the mm -hmm. enjoyment side of it. Because you just, I, I, from the outside looking in, I just feel like you never get the matchups you really want. Mm -hmm. Well, uh, that's why that have... Lomachenko and Lopez, I remember yeah. their names as you were talking, last month was such a big deal because it was a fight that people wanted to see and boxing actually did it. Um, but yeah, it's to your point, a lot of politics, a lot of just boxing um just the way it operates and the commissions and the weight classes and all the belts and it's just there's a lot to follow if you thought there's a lot to follow in mma which there is in terms of like the techniques and the styles boxing is like in another realm when it comes to all the nitty-gritty yeah. stuff outside of the ring in the ring it's pretty simple but outside of the ring it's not all of the belts all of the weight classes yeah. i think it's quite intimidating if you're someone trying to get into the sport to to really dive in i mean you're talking weight classes for every like three or four pounds yeah that's wild <laughs> but i mean I, it has its place for sure and obviously it's a it's a it's got a rich history and that's gonna one of the big names in boxing history is back really two of them yeah because uh, we have an interesting fight to talk about here that's happening Saturday night. Mike Tyson. Yes, that's right. Mike Tyson is fighting for the first time in 15 years against Mr. Roy Jones Jr., who's only three years younger than him, both in their 50s. However, Roy Jones did last fight, I believe, like four years ago, so he's not quite as long out of the fight game. But all right, Dom. I'm, I'm just going to break down the rules here for you. Break it all for down. This fight. 
because I think there's been a lot of confusion. Right? Yeah, I just know it's a charity fight on pay-per-view. <laughs> yeah, it's like there's been a lot of confusion as to the rules of this fight. The commission, the uh, state athletic commission said one thing. Uh, the boxing commission said another. It's, you know, the fighters are saying another. So there's been a lot of confusion. It's been a very poorly handled event, a poorly uh, promoted event for sure. But here are the rules as I understand them. So there's eight. First off, it's an exhibition, which means that it's not going to go on either guy's record. It's eight two-minute rounds. There will be no headgear like was originally said right but according to the state athletic commission if either fighter goes for a knockout the fight will be done uh, do, so, do they realize who's fighting in this fight? yeah so have they ever seen mike tyson punch anybody so the thing is is that both of these fighters tyson and jones have both said, no, I'm going to kill that man. I'm going <laughs> to knock his head off. So they're not standing by that. Um, basically, the whole point of this is that it's supposed to feel like a hard sparring man, like a hard sparring session. Right. So any guy that goes for if any guy gets knocked down, supposedly the fight's over. Will that hold true? I don't know. Now, if this fight goes the distance, since it's an exhibition, the State Athletic Commission will not be providing judges. Therefore, there will not be a winner announced by the Athletic Commission because, again, it doesn't go under official records. But the Boxing Commission overseeing this matchup will be having three legends of the boxing world come in to judge the fight and will determine a winner, you know, in quotations, a winner. And they will be given a belt made for this event. It's the Black Lives Matter belt uh, that people were talking about. It says, like, Black Lives Matter on it and stuff like that. So, very interesting. Um, this is all becoming, you know, uh, all everything aside here, it's been a very poorly handled event, and it's, it's beginning to feel like this is going to turn into a bit of a shit show. Yeah. Um... Yeah. It is for charity, though, right? I honestly, when you said that, that was news to me. I think it there's some sort of charity portion that goes to this fight. I don't really know how the details work. Um, I did want to point something out that is really cool. For those of you that don't know, you've probably heard us mention Verdict MMA on the podcast before. They had a unique partnership with Triller, who is like the sponsor for the Tyson and Jones fight. So you mentioned that there's not going to be judges being an exhibition, like legitimate boxing judges. So they partnered with Triller to, you can score the round by round for tonight's or tomorrow night's boxing match or Saturday night, I should say, uh, on Verdict, which is really cool because they always just do like the UFC MMA fights. So they got permission to do round-by-round round scoring for everyone that's on verdict for Tyson versus Jones Jr., which I just thought it was cool to mention. Plus, I don't have much to talk about on this topic. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I understand that. And I think that the thing is that the, this fight is weirdly, and really even the co-main event, they're weirdly, like, 
just because you don't know what's going to happen and you feel like there is the chance that this all just kind of blows up in everybody's face. Because there's a chance that a lot of people are going to buy this and be pissed off at what they actually end up watching. Yeah. So you have to wonder, you know, it, it adds some intrigue for sure. Like, there's a part of me that's tempted to buy it. <laughs> I yeah, to it is only 50 bucks, so, you know, yeah. cheaper than yeah. others. <laughs> but and, and to speak on the co-main event, you have uh, the YouTuber, Jake Paul, that everybody loves. He's going up against... <laughs> an NBA basketball player named Nate Robinson, who I'm a big fan of. I, I loved Nate Robinson back in the day. Former slam dunk champion. Multiple times. Yes. Like three times slam dunk champion. And look, Nate Robinson was always the little guy in the NBA. He didn't look too little up there next to Jake Paul. He, he, I will say, for being like 5'2", five, 5'3", five, whatever he is, he was always built very well. Did you and just I'm say assuming... he's 5'2", or 5'3"? I don't know. What is he, 5'9"? I don't know how tall he is. <laughs> Maybe I'm thinking of the other guy that was in the NBA. That was you're, really thinking of, you're thinking of like Spud Webb? Spud Webb, yeah. He was 5'2 or 5'3". Anyway, <laughs> Nate Robinson has always been built really well, and I'm assuming he at least has some sort of boxing um, training for like exercise purposes at least. But, uh, yeah, this is another reason where I really just have little to no interest in this. But... It just, it feels like a circus. Yeah. It's just, it's like, or it's like, a, it feels like a car crash. Like, you, you know, you know how it's going to end. And it's not going to be good, but you can't look away. Yeah. Yeah. And this co-main event, just to say, like, Nate Robinson is a hell of an athlete. Obviously, the guy was always one of the shortest players in the NBA, but yet he was winning dunk contests and stuff like that. Hell of an athlete. Do I know if he can box worth the shit? No. But I don't think Jake Paul can either. So uh, it's it's interesting. I don't know if it's going to be good. It's probably not going to be. I mean, if you go in with really, if you're someone who's going to buy this pay-per-view, set your expectations very low, and then maybe you'll be pleasantly surprised. Right. If you go in expecting the best thing ever, you're setting yourself up for failure. Yes. That is a very kind good way like, to put it. Kind of like we did back in the day when me and you, and along with a bunch of the other football players, went to my basement and bought Mayweather Pacquiao. Wow, what a memory. Yeah, that was a deep dive right there, wasn't yeah, it? Yes, it was. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I just wanted to mention it on the podcast because ultimately boxing is a part of MMA. and um, This is a high-profile fight. Not for necessarily good reason, but it's worth noting anyways. A legends fight, you know. It is legends. I mean, look, Mike Tyson I mean, you know, Mike Tyson was is one of the biggest names ever in boxing. I mean, that dude my parents when I before I was born and stuff, they were buying Tyson pay per views and watching him knock people out in thirty seconds and stuff like that. Um, that was really their guy. I mean, that was everybody's guy. And then Roy Jones Jr., you know, he might not be quite the name Tyson is, but for boxing fans, I mean, he dominated the early 2000s and things like that. So uh, it should be an interesting matchup. You have to think that the fight's in favor of Roy Jones only because he's fought more recently, too. Mm -hmm. Um, Fighting professionally, that is, you know, just four years ago or so was his last fight. So you have to think this fight favors him because Tyson hasn't fought in like 15 years. But you really just don't know what's going to happen until they get in there. 
it's interesting i i'm there's a chance i might be watching it tomorrow so keep me posted uh, we'll oh you know i will i'll be going back and forth between that and the fights that we're about to get into and i think that's a good segue that is is that that's the end of the news the news but it's time to break down a six-fight main card, people. You know we love our six-fight main cards. Hey, we lost the main event, but we got an extra fight added. You know, so, you know, five fights with a really good main event, six fights with still a good main event. We love it. We love it. 100%. 100%. Our main event, as we mentioned at the top here, light heavyweight Anthony Smith in his seventh straight main event going up against Devin Clark in his first ever main event. Co-main, welterweight, Miguel Baeza, Takashi Sato. That's going to be a great matchup. I, I'm very excited for that one. Yes. Then at heavyweight, we got Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. At featherweight, another very exciting matchup, Spike Carlisle and Bill Algio. Then at catchweight, uh, but originally scheduled at bantamweight, you got Ashley Evans-Smith and then Norma, Norma Dumont-Vienna. And then we open the night at featherweight with Jonathan Pierce and Kai Kamaka the third. So a lot of names that most of you are going, who? <laughs> yeah. Huh? Yeah. Who? What? Where? How? But don't worry, people. We're going to give you all the details you need to know, and it starts at featherweight. Jonathan Pierce, Kai Kamaka the third. Dom, you know what to do. It's time for the nitty gritty. Kai Kamaka the third. Versus Jonathan Pierce, men's featherweight, 145 pounds. Kai is 8-2, one submission. Rest is decisions. I was a little disappointed when I researched that, but you know what? I'm not going to hate on the guy. I like his name. He's 1-0 in the UFC, and he's entering this fight on a six-fight win streak. On the other end, Jonathan is 9-4, seven KOTKOs, one submission. So we've got a guy with one total finish and then we got a guy that's finished eight out of nine polar opposites here could make for an intriguing battle jonathan is one and one in the ufc if you count his win on the contender series if not he's zero and one technically whatever you prefer we're not judging you his lone loss in the ufc however in his ufc debut technically was joe lozon and that was by tko that's not an easy debut in by any stretch of the imagination, if I do say so myself, Noah. I agree. I mean, we're talking Joe Lozon is a veteran of the game of mixed martial arts, of the UFC. A legend. Yes. So for Jonathan to come in and take that fight, wow. So, interesting fight here on paper. Again, not too much nitty-gritty here on my end. Noah will probably have a couple more details. But Kai Kamaka, Jonathan Pierce... Interesting. Again, we got a guy that only has finished one fight out of uh, eight total wins, and then we got a guy that's finished eight out of nine. We love a guy that finishes fights, a guy that's been in there with Joe Lozon, been on the Contender Series. I'm leaning toward Jonathan Pierce here. I've not made my picks uh, on verdict yet, so I'm going off just pure notes here. I'm going Jonathan Pierce. I'm going KOTKO. I'm going round two. Round two. Okay. Um, yes, these are two, I would say, uh, Jonathan Pierce is definitely one. Uh, I don't remember that fight with Joe Lozon. Had to kind of go back and look into that one. 
Luzon being able to finish the fight as quickly as his, as I as he did tells me that Pierce was not ready for that fight. Um, for Kai Kamaka, I did watch his last fight against Tony Kelly. That was on UFC 252, headlined by Stipe and Daniel Cormier, the third fight of their trilogy. And it was one of the best fights of the night. I remember Kamaka looked great in that fight, and I have really enjoyed watching it. I am also, it's also very disappointing to see that he's such a decision-heavy fighter. With But I shouldn't fault that, because ultimately if a win's a win, and you know his last right. fight was the decision but it was a great fight so for all i know these have all been great fights that he just hasn't been able to find a finish but it definitely raises some questions you know right. it makes you wonder but in this fight with jonathan pierce um, pierce does have that win on the contender series which obviously brought him into the promotion they obviously saw something in him to give him joe lozon i don't know what they saw because lozon was able to finish the fight as early as he did you know, besides that, you know, Pierce did have a three-fight skid early on in his career, but besides that, it's been very clean for him. Mm-hmm. He's been obviously finishing the fight. However, the eye test, since I've really only seen the one-guy fight, I'm going to stick with Kamaka here. Um, I'm going to go via decision. <laughs> Seems like a safe pick Play right safe. there. Yeah, yeah uh, he could very well find a way to finish this. If I remember right, that Kelly fight was pretty wild, and there was times where he could have finished that one. And uh, this is the guy that fought in Bellator and LFA. So he's definitely, and king of the cage. So this Kai Kamak has been fighting in some bigger promotions, mm-hmm. really for his whole career. So I feel like that that's why you see so many decisions, because I think his level of competition has been a little bit higher than Pierce has outside of Lozon <laughs> being the biggest for either one. But I think as a body of work, that's probably why there's so many decisions due to the fact he's fighting in Bellator. He's fighting in King of the Cage, LFA. I think it sticks with his decision here, but I think it's uh, Kai Kamaka with the win. Okay. We move on. Women's action. The only woman's fight on the main card. We got Ashley Evans-Smith, a very familiar name in this division. Mm-hmm. Going up against a newcomer in Norma, Norma Dumont, Vienna. I'm interested to see what you have to say here, Dom. Yeah, so Ashley is six and four. Uh, she's got three KOTQs. She's three and four uh, in the UFC. So always, you know, you get take it with a grain of salt here when you see someone with a negative record in the UFC. Uh, she does have a notable win against Beck Rawlings. That was by uh, unanimous decision. Her losses, though, to no slouch, uh, Raquel Pennington via submission, lost to Ketlin Vieira via unanimous decision. Also lost to Andrea Lee via unanimous decision. For Norma, like you said, somewhat of a newcomer here. She's only 4-1 and one in her professional career. She has two of those four wins via submission. However, she's 0-1 in the UFC. But that was at featherweight, and that was against a woman by the name of Megan Anderson, who, by the way, was scheduled to take on Amanda Nunes uh, in December. Of course, that's been postponed, but you get what I'm saying. That's a tough debut here. We've got two fighters in back-to-back fights that have not been given an easy fight by any means in their UFC debut. Uh, Both of Norma's two finishes, which were submissions, have come in the first round. This is, again, you know, not too much research to be done on these two on paper. Not a lot of professional experience. I mean, combined, they only have 15 total fights here. 
and 10 of those combined are wins. So this is interesting. Uh, you said Norma, did she miss weight then? I, I, she must have, but I, I don't have that in front of me for sure. Gotcha. Because I know, like you said, it was mentioned or scheduled as a women's bantamweight. So if it is catch weight, I'm assuming she may have missed weight. If she did make weight, I'm guessing it's still at 135. Either way, interesting matchup stylistically an interesting matchup however i'm going to play safe here in terms of the method of victory i am going to however take the newcomer in norma i think you know if you take away a loss to megan anderson she's undefeated and megan's no slouch we know this um and for ashley it seems that in her biggest fight she can't quite get it done rather than win over beck rawlings i'm going to go norma dumont vienna via decision in our second fight on the main card yeah, I, I I am pretty close to going with that. I, I want to talk this through a little bit in my own head here. So Norma Dumont, I told you this before we started the podcast. She is the fighter that cut was cutting 35 pounds to make weight today. So I'm assuming she didn't make weight. Whoever didn't, it was by four and a half pounds. For Ashley Evans Smith, though, she's always been kind of, you know, three wins by knockout out of her six wins. I mean, that's impressive. You don't see a ton of that in the women's divisions. Um, so Norma Dumont, four, four and one, that one loss to Megan Anderson, you know, not a ton to go off of there, but obviously the four wins before that, they looked at her pretty highly to put her up with Megan Anderson. Right. And for Ashley, she's really been that kind of gatekeeper role in a way. I mean, she's went up against the likes of Raquel Pennington back in 2014, Ketlin Vieira back a couple years ago, and then Andrea Lee here in her last fight. Uh, it's been over, it's been a year and a half since we've actually seen Ashley Evans Smith. So she's been out of the cage for a while. So that's kind of going to be my debate here. Do I go with Ashley Evans Smith, who might be having some ring rust with? that year and a half layoff or do i go with norma dumont who might have completely depleted herself to try to make weight um i'm gonna go with norma dumont i'm gonna go by decision i think it's a. I, I i could see this really being kind of a sloppy fight if i'm being honest both women are coming in with some baggage here it's going to be interesting to see who is able to kind of push through their you know persevere through their struggle to really get to this fight but um, Ashley Evans Smith definitely does have the the uh, bigger wins to her name, and Norma Dumont's really her only claim to fame is a loss against the title challenger potentially. So it's uh, definitely, I think, a riskier pick than maybe we think it is to go with Norma Dumont. But I, I, she's the bigger woman. I can't. I don't think the knockout power of Ashley Evans Smith is going to really affect her like it has some of these other people that she's fought. And I think that she'll be able to pull out a decision here. Okay. Okay. And now here's a big here's a big fight. Here's love, what I'm excited about. I love about this her. fight. It's gonna go under the radar, but Spike Carlisle, Bill Algio, I do wanna before I let you take it away, I do just wanna say both of these guys lost in their last fight are coming off losses. Yep. But it was in the fight of the night of their respective cards if that tells you anything. Yes. Spike Carlisle going up against Billy Q. The guy we're a big fan of, while Bill Algio was up against um, why did I just Ricardo Lamas? Ricardo Lamas, yeah. Sorry, Ricardo, did not mean <laughs> to do that. But both guys coming off, off 
losses, but in fight of the night fashion. So are they going to bring it this time, Dom? Oh, they're going to bring it. This is my projected fight of the night, ladies and gentlemen. Bill Algio, Spike Carlisle. Originally was supposed to open the main card. Now it's the third fight on the main card. Bill is 13-5, and five, three KOTKOs, six submissions. That's nine out of 13 via finish. He is 0-2 in the UFC if you count his contender series loss. If not, he's 0-1. Again, we don't judge. Notable losses. He lost to Mr. Shane Burgos, the aforementioned Shane Burgos, in our news segment back at XFE 46 in 2014 via submission. Also lost to Jared Flash Gordon at CFFC 63 in 2017 via unanimous decision. And then, like we mentioned, uh, lost his uh, UFC debut to Ricardo Lamas. Again, this is three fighters that in their UFC debuts have fought true veterans and studs and not come up victorious. But my goodness, getting put in with Ricardo Lamas in your debut? Oof. Um, On the other end, Spike Carlisle, Spike Dudley, you know, whatever you want to call him, this dude's a wild man. Had the mask on today at weigh-ins. Love this guy. Anybody named Spike? Spike, sorry, I'm getting excited. You're probably a badass. Spike is 9-2, and two, 5 KOTKOs, 3 submissions. That's 8 out of 9. He's 1-1 one one in the UFC. 7 of his 8 finishes have came via the first round. By the way, in that fight with Billy Q, Billy Corintillo, Corintillo, whatever. Spike, at one point, thought that one of the rounds ended, Noah. And he began to mosey on back to his corner. Well, Billy Q recognized this uh, mistake and damn near punched Spike's head into the audience. It was insane. Um, But Spike somehow managed to not get knocked out, made it back to his corner, went on to give us an incredible fight, the fight of the night, as Noah mentioned. And again, like I'm saying, this is going to be my fight of the night for UFC Vegas 15 on the main card, maybe even the entire card plus prelims. Let me see here. I had my prediction in. I think I was leaning towards Spike. Let me see, let me see, let me see. Yes, I've got Spike Carlisle, fight of the night, winning via decision. I don't think anybody's going to get finished. I think it's just going to be beautiful chaos, Noah. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. This fight definitely kind of speaks to that, that catchphrase we tend to throw around here a lot. Yeah, uh, both these guys, here's the thing. Bill Algio, to your point about him making his debut against such a veteran in Ricardo Lamas, um, I can't speak for the other ones that made the debuts against these big vets and big matchups, but Algio stepped in for Ryan Hall, who got hurt, so that was the reason for that one, and really, you know, I know it was a late replacement, it ended up being a great fight, but it was one that Ricardo Lamas was really never in any danger. He really controlled the fight for the most part. Um, Spike Carlisle, however, put up a great effort in his loss to Billy Q. Again, Billy Q was clearly the winner of it, but Spike Carlisle was just a wild man, and it was fun to watch. And I think Billy Quarantillo is going to become a pretty big name in this division at some point. Yeah. So I think that loss is only going to look age better and better as it goes along. 
I've seen more from Spike Carlisle and his loss compared to Bill Algio and his. I think that's what's going to make me lean to Spike Carlisle here. I think it's going to be a great fight. Um, I want to go via decision as well. I'm not going to give it fight of the night, though. Mm. I don't think I'm going to do it. Not quite. I, I'm very tempted to because, again, the fight that I'm going to end up picking, I'm yeah. not sure if it's going to be able to go as long. I love the option that you're ultimately going to pick, though. I can't hate yeah, it. Yeah, but uh, I, I think this will be a great fight on what is stacking up to be a card not filled with big names, but filled with some fun fights. Yeah, exactly. Now we go to heavyweight. The big Josh boys. Parisian. Yep, Josh Parisian and Parker Porter. And I'm just going to let you go ahead and go. Yeah, so uh, Josh Parisian here, he's 13 and 3. 10 KO, TKOs, two submissions. That's 12 out of 13. He's 1 and 0 in the UFC, technically, if you count the win on the contender series. Uh, if not, it's his UFC debut. He's got eight first round finishes, Noah. On the other end, this gets fun, and I'll, you'll see why in just a second. Parker Porter is 9 and 6. Not the best record, right? He's got 5 KO TKOs, 3 submissions. That's 8 out of 9. We love it. He's 0-1 in the UFC. However, he's got a couple notable losses, Noah. Had to do some digging here. Okay. Listen at this one right here. You ever heard of John Jones? Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, kind of a big deal. Former light heavyweight champion, 11 total title defenses. Possibly the best fighter we've ever seen. Well, Mr... Parker Porter took on John Jones at WCF3 in 2008. We were a measly 10, 11 years old at this point, Noah. Just little guys, didn't even know what the WCF was. And Parker Porter got knocked out by Mr. John Jones, who went on to become one of the greatest fighters we have ever been privileged to see. Then... He fights a guy by the name of Gabriel Gonzaga at Reality Fighting in 2011. Lost to Gabriel via submission. And then in his UFC debut, another notable loss here, he lost to Mr. Chris Dawkins via TKO. Again, we've got another fun fight. The big boys are always just a little bit more fun for whatever reason it may be. It's because they hit a little harder. Let's just be honest. But I did see... Parker Porter's debut against Chris Dawkins. Not very impressed. Dawkins is a beast, uh, however. Obviously, he made a notable loss uh, on here. But I'm going Josh Parisian here. A guy that's 13 and 3, 12 finishes, you know, eight first round finishes. I'm going Parisian. He's got the advantage here, I think, just in every aspect from what I'm seeing. A guy that's 9 and 6, that's a sketchy record. Again, he's got very tough fights on here. But I'm going Parisian, and I'm going first round, KO, TKO. I completely agree with your assessment. I think Parker Porter's uh, resume is so interesting. But again, how much credit can you give to someone for fighting John Jones when John Jones finished the fight in 36 seconds? <laughs> right. So it's like at some point, and you know, I know he went a little bit longer with the Gonzaga. I'm pretty sure it was a third round finish, but... Um, I think I'm going to say uh, I'm going to go with Josh Parisian. I think this is definitely set up to be kind of a give him a platform to really show off his skills here against a punching bag. And, a, and another contender series guy, too, you know, 
they love it's these true. contender series guys and building them up. Yeah, and Parker Porter's the same way. I mean, I know he lost, but again, they they've shown that even if you lose on the contender series, you right. can be brought back. Yep. So both guys getting a big stage here. I think Parisian wins. I'm going to give Porter to the second round. I'm going to go with the second round TKO KO. Um, Parisian, he tends to he tends to win by via the ground and pound, or his last win was punches from mount, things like that. Kind of, I think he's going to slowly, kind of, slowly drag, really drag Porter into the deep waters that they talk about a lot. Uh, really kind of grind him to where he's just like out of really breathing heavy. And then that's when he's going to become defenseless today, ground and pound. And I think that's how the fight's going to finish in the second round. Love it. Mm-hmm. Now, co main time. I'm just going to say. This is my pick for fight of the night. This is this is incredible, incredible matchmaking, ba- incredible fight. Miguel Baeza, and then Takashi Sato. Uh, we're a little upset on this podcast at Takashi Sato. Well, especially Noah. <laughs> Look, we we've joked around about you know even in this on this card, we had our main event get scrapped. It's happened to us a few times, you know, releasing these episodes on Friday mornings, having to do them Thursday night. Sometimes things happen. Guys miss weight and can't fight. Now you got COVID as an added factor. It's unpredictable, you know, when guys will drop out. However, the original guy to drop out of his fight was Takashi Sato for us. And not only that, but in our breakdown, I went on a 15-minute tangent. (laughs) I just stood in silence as you just went on the history lesson. I loved it. I talked. I was talking about Pride FC, about the Japanese market, everything. And then he didn't even fight. <laughs> yes. So I'm a little upset at Takashi Sato, but I'm willing to let bygones be bygones because he's about to put on a fight tonight performance with Miguel Baeza, and I'm going to let you tell him why. Miguel Baeza is a perfect 9-0 and Seven of those nine wins have came via KOTKO. He's 3-0 and in the UFC. Again, another contender series veteran here, so if you count one of those wins, he's 3-0 and in the UFC. Uh, notable win, most recently against Matt Brown. Brutally TKO'd Mr. Matt Brown there, a true veteran. A guy that Noah and I have had the pleasure to meet, fun fact there. Uh, Miguel has four round one finishes. Takashi Sato, 16 wins, three losses. 11 KO TKOs, two submissions. That's 13 out of 16 via finish. 2-1 and one in the UFC. Notable win over Ben Saunders. That was actually in his UFC debut. Uh, won that via TKO. Also has a notable loss to our guy, Bilal Muhammad. Uh, lost to him via submission. Takashi has 10 of his 13 finishes in the first round. This has Fight of the Night written all over it. But I'm not, I'm not going to change. I love some spike and some bill action. But if that's not the fight of the night, this one right here is. This is an incredible fight. Uh, bumped up to the co-main for a reason. Uh, and I think they're going to put on a performance. This was on If You Don't Know Now You Know, which is everyone's favorite uh, piece of social media content from Dana White. <clears throat> so a lot of promotion here around this fight uh, for very good reason. I think it's going to be a battle. Back and forth, stand-up battle. 
Could even see some grappling, but these boys like to slug it out and get those KOTKOs. I'm going Mr. Miguel Baeza via decision. Mmm, decision. Interesting. I, I just think it's going to be a very back and forth. Could easily Someone could easily get finished here. But I, mm -hmm. I, the, the selfish part of me just wants to see three brutal rounds of just violence. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Yeah, both these guys have shown me a lot over their careers. Miguel Baeza, more recently, uh, that win over Matt Brown over the summer, brutal stuff. Brown looked good early. And, you know, that speaks to his veteran status. But that second round started, and Baeza hit him with, I believe it was a left hook. Oh, my gosh. Brown dropped like a sack of potatoes, and it was done. And I was kind of sad. But... Baeza is built like a freaking Greek statue. The dude's incredible. Just a very scary man. Undefeated for a reason. As we always say, while for Takashi Sato, he's had his, uh, obviously he's had his losses. You know, he, he lost at Pancrase, which is another promotion that was big way back in the 90s. Um, and then you've mentioned the loss to Bilal Muhammad. You know, that win over Ben Saunders is, prob is probably on the same level of beating Matt Brown nowadays. So mm -hmm. I, I think that both guys, I think this is great matchmaking where I think both guys are at a, a very equal place in their career right now. Um, Takashi Sato does have more, obviously, the losses on his record. So you definitely lean towards Baeza for that reason. But I think Sato could really prove him wrong here. I do think that Sato is going to be the guy. I feel like as the fight goes on, Sato will 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 become a little bit. Like I think he'll improve as the fight goes on, but Baeza has really shown that that finishing power doesn't go away no matter how late the fight goes. So because of that, I think Sato might get a little overconfident. Maybe a little. Maybe he'll win the second round or something. I think he might get a little too confident in the third start leaving his chin open uh -oh. and i think uh i think baeza finishes him in the third round with the tko ko oh man baeza is a very muscular guy so you think that that weighs heavy on someone in those later rounds but his power does not go away <laughs> and i think that against someone like sato uh sato could definitely become a little overzealous just a little maybe lunge into some shots and really leave himself open for just a a brutal knockout like he did against Matt Brown. This fight offers fireworks in the co-main event slot. I can't stress it enough. Again, like Noah's mentioned, a lot of not-so-well-known people on this card, but stylistically we've got some great fights, especially these latter four, uh, and this one is just fantastic. This is perfect matchmaking here. I can't wait for this one. 100%. And we move on to our main event of the evening was not what we originally expected, but Hey, I'm here for it for the second time on this podcast. Yeah. This is history here. <laughs> this is our Smith. first time having a guy that main evented twice right here. Yep. Somehow he beat Davison. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Anthony Smith is headlining against Devin Clark. Dom, I know the people are going to be familiar with Anthony Smith, but let them know about the other guy, too. Oh, absolutely. For those of you that were not with us for the Anthony Smith and uh, Alexander Rakich fight night, don't worry, because I've got you covered. Anthony Smith, Mr. 
UFC fight night at this point. I mean, my goodness. Seven straight main events, six of those on a fight night. Woo! The UFC loves this guy. And I do too. He's 33 and 16. This is going to be his 50th professional fight on Saturday night. 18 KOTKOs, 12 submissions. That's 30. Can't stress that enough. 30 out of 33 wins via finish. That's illegal. He's 8 and 5 in the UFC, a former middleweight, now a light heavyweight. He's got notable wins against Andrew Sanchez via KO, Hector Lombard via KO, KO'd Rashad Evans. Ooh, that was just brutal. Shogun Hua KO, Vulcan Uzdemir submission, uh, his most recent victory, and really one of his most impressive if we're talking name value and just um, where the fighters were in their careers, submitted Alexander Gustafson right off of Gustafson's title shot with John Jones. Does have some notable losses uh, to Noah's, one of Noah's favorite fighters, Tiago Santos, got TKO'd there. He lost to John Jones in the title fight uh, via decision. Uh, lost to Glover Teixeira after a dominant first two rounds. Really gassed out, and Glover took over from there. Glover's an ageless wonder, though. We all realize this at this point. Uh, lost to Glover via TKO. And then most recently, in that fight night headliner that we broke down, lost to Alexander Rakich via unanimous decision. 16 first-round finishes for Anthony Smith. In the blue corner, though. Devin Clark. Let's give him the respect he deserves. 12 wins, 4 losses, 3 KOTKOs, 1 submission. He's 6-4 and four in the UFC. Uh, he's got notable wins against Daquan Townsend via unanimous decision. Also beat Alonzo Minifield via unanimous decision. However, he's got notable losses, and these losses are against the biggest names and in the biggest fights of Devin's UFC career. He lost to Jan Blahovich via submission. He also has lost to Alexander Rakich via TKO and got submitted by Ryan Spann. And Noah, I'm just going to go off of that last point here. In his biggest fights, he has not gotten the job done. Anthony Smith, however, has been in plenty of big fights. And while he has came up short, he has gotten the job done a number of times as well. Anthony Smith is a veteran. He's on a two-fight skid, and he has to bounce back in a big way here. And I think it happens Saturday night in the UFC Vegas 15 main event. Anthony Smith, a second-round submission victory. I like it. I like it. <clears throat> I, I think you did a very good breakdown there of where both these guys are coming at in their careers. It's really big for both of them. Yes. On the outside looking in, you might think that for Devin Clark, this is all positive, no negative connotation to having this matchup with Smith. But really, if you look at it, I mean, he's had a very mixed career so far in the UFC. You know, sure, he's a younger guy. You know, he's still trying to make a name for himself, and he's still improving. But, you know, a loss here might make the UFC really question if they can continue putting him in these kind of matchups. You know, he might really have to go back and go on a big streak just to have them have some faith in him again. However, to your point about Anthony Smith, yes, he, he has 
uh, been in these big fights, obviously, seven straight main events. And for the majority of them, he was winning. But it's not really about, you know, unfortunately with the fight game, it's not about what you've done. It's about what have you done for me lately. And for Smith, it's not looked great. I know Glover is looking like he might get a title shot here in the future. And, you know, really that was a fight that should have been stopped earlier. And we wouldn't be talking about probably Smith as, as negatively as a lot are. But then that Rakich fight, he came back probably too soon. Yeah, I agree with that. One Dominated. Dominated. I mean, looked like he really didn't. You know, for Lionheart, a guy who never quits, and he didn't quit in this fight, but it just didn't look like he even wanted to be there anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Taking all that punishment on his legs. I mean, hearing him talk after the fight about, he's like, these guys are too big. Potentially looking like he might go back down. It made us both, I remember at the time, say, take some time off. Yep. And he really hasn't. No. He's back quick turnaround again. It is a lower step in the, you know, lower competition. Devin Clark is less proven than Rakich or Glover Deshera. But that, I, I don't know if that's, I don't really think that's how it's going to go here. I think, uh, Unfortunately for Anthony Smith, I don't think this is going to be another. I think it's going to be another loss for him. Yeah, it's tough. It makes me sad, but again, I just think this guy keeps coming back too early. I don't think he's taking the time he needs to really heal and really refocus or really improve on his skills. I just think that it's too too many times too quick. He's taken a lot of damage this year. And I think with Devin Clark here, this fight did get moved to five rounds, correct? Yes, it did. Do I really think this fight goes all five rounds? Oof. I I think uh I didn't want to go Devin Devin Clark, you know, the thing about Anthony Smith is when he gets into these championship rounds, these these rounds four and five, he it really wears on him. He's not the best fourth or fifth round fighter in the world. That's why, I mean, he gets a lot of his fights are done a lot quicker than that. I think Devin Clark, you know, this is his first time going to five rounds, but he definitely has the body type. He doesn't really have the, he hasn't shown the really tire, you know, even in his three round fights. Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, eight of his 12 wins have came via decision. So he's, you know, not, he's used to going 15 full minutes. Um, yep. So I guess the question would be, can he go the extra 10 here and prove he's championship yep. material, essentially? True. So I'm going to go Devin Clark, but I'm going to go via fourth round TKO. I think he's just going to, I think it's real. It could be even for a while. You know, you just like you saw Anthony Smith look great early on against Glover Teixeira. I don't think it'll be quite as bad as the performance with Rakich. But I think that Clark is going to really pull ahead in the later rounds and I think that he will be stopped via some sort of ground and pound finish, uh, maybe off a knockdown kind of thing. Disappointing, obviously, and it's going to make people really question if Smith should continue fighting or if he should move down and wait, whatever. But that's just, you know, not everybody gets the storybook ending. It's the fight game. Yep. So it's a somber viewpoint, but for Clark, it would be a huge win for him that would push him into potential top 10 territory. 
so there's the positive there. But that is the end of our breakdown, our preview of hashtag UFC Vegas 15. Remember, everybody, you can watch these fights. The prelims will be on uh, ESPN Plus. And then you can watch the main card on ESPN Plus or ESPN. That's right. This card is on ESPN. So please check these fights out. I think there's some good ones in here that are going to be worth your time. Um, feel free, if you want, to also buy the boxing pay-per-view through uh, Triller or uh, many other pay-per-view outlets, uh, Mike Tyson versus Roy Jones Jr. Give us your thoughts on these, what's all these fights going on Saturday night. But uh, as for our next couple episodes, really Monday we're just going to be recapping all the fights from Saturday. And then obviously Friday we'll have our next preview episode because there will be no special episode on Wednesday, correct, Dom? Correct. We're finally on the routine now, the every other mm-hmm. Wednesday routine. So, so that Friday, what's our headliner next Oh, week? we've got a fun one. No, we've got Mr. The Joker, Jack Hermanson, tanking on a newly – found opponent in Mr. Kevin Holland. Kevin taking this fight on about, I don't know, four weeks notice at the time that they announced it. Uh, Coming off of a big win here. He's going essentially for fighter of the year in my opinion. If Holland can get that win over Jack Hermanson. So a great main event that we get to break down on Friday next week. Yep. So be on the lookout for all that. It's going to be a fun week. Dom, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at dsali14, and you can find the podcast on Twitter and Instagram at baj underscore mma podcast. And as for me, if you go to my bio on Twitter or Instagram at ntbaker underscore, you'll be taken to our link tree, which gives you the links to every platform we are on social media wise twitter and instagram's on there as for where you can listen to the podcast you got spotify link apple google youtube channels on there the anchor page is on there and there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast all that does is just provide us with a few dollars a month based on your choosing and all that money just goes back into improving the podcast whether it be the audio equipment or down the line doing a video podcast so again all those can be found on my bio at ntbaker underscore on Twitter, Instagram. But with that, we're out. And we're going to see you all on Monday.